y'all ready for the word this morning? We've been talking about identity, and, and I'd really felt this thing stern in me, um, and, and so I'm going to share it with you. Just open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 14, and, and if you have uh, your smartphone and you want to share this service live, you can go to our Facebook page right now, and, and actually, we have a live video, and just share and say something about it and say, hey, check, this is my pastor, he's pretty legit, hashtag too legit to quit or something like that. <laughs> Hashtag Zach is the best pastor in the whole wide world. That's a long hashtag. Don't do the second one. Uh, but please share. We want people. This is our first Sunday where we are we're streaming on Facebook. Come on, somebody. Uh, we usually use a diff- those lights are flickering a little. Just crank them all the way up. Uh, I think it'll stop that. There you go. Um, so uh, we want to make sure that we are we are reaching other audiences. And so now we're on Facebook. So you can go on there and share right now if you'd like to. Uh, do it all at once, so it's just like, brr, just blows up every, all your mutual friends' feeds. So in, uh, in Matthew chapter 14, I want to read the account of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And, and I want to talk to you about being hungry and also our diets. Uh, and, then, and also as believers, as disciples, what we're called to do. How many know it's important that we're doing what God created us to do as Christians? Like, we know that in, in some cultures, we become consumers. Well, you know, you see consumerism in many different ways, but you see it spiritually in the church. How many know that there is a form of consumerism Christianity? And we're just consuming, 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 and and, and we can never pray for ourselves, or we don't know how to hear from God for ourselves, and, and we, we always are codependent on another brother or sister in Christ, and we never rise up. And how many know God does not want us to be consumers? We should consume, but we should also produce. If our consuming is not leading us to produce and bear fruit, then something is dysfunctional. Can I hear you say amen? amen. I'm already stepping on your toes. I can feel it. Come on, somebody. But I want you to understand that, that what you're created to do, uh, I think sometimes just depending on our background, our theology, our church tradition, uh, you know, we, uh, you know we, we like to do different things when it comes to ministry and, and, and trying to evangelize and, and things like that. And so I want to talk to you about this morning. I think it's really, really important that we get this. So uh, in Matthew 14, let's read together, starting at verse 13. When Jesus heard what happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed, he saw a large crowd. It says he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Oh, I love that verse. Don't you love that verse? Just highlight it, underline it. That's who God is. Jesus revealed the heart of the Father you know, Jesus didn't look at him like, man, why are you following me? He looked at him. He had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. Verse 15, as evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. Would you look at the person next to you and don't have a conversation with them, please. Let me give specific instructions. Just look at them and say, you give them something to eat. Well, about 40% of you were obedient. God bless the rest of you. Maybe you'll get saved by the end of this message, glory. 
So Jesus tells them, they want to send this crowd away. How many know there's people that are hungry? How many know there's people in the world, they're hungry? I mean, literally hungry. They're starving people. And, and, you know, let me just say this, that if there's hungry people, it's not God's sovereign will that they hunger. Like, well, I'm just teaching these starving children in other countries a lesson. Uh, how many know that, that God doesn't exhaustively control all things? Matter of fact, we've come a long way because we have this phrase, God is in control. And we say it passively like, well, everything that happens must be God's will. If we can't control it, then it must be God. But how many know some things he has chosen not to control? There's natural laws, spiritual laws, and you have a free will. And so when bad things happen, don't blame God, please. Don't blame God. And, and I, I just want to say this, that in the early church, a... Uh, a believer would say, if you have bread and a child is dying of starvation, then you're guilty of that. In other words, the responsibility wasn't, well, God is in control. I got, no, Lord knows I got to eat. No, it was, no, you need to share what you have to feed the hungry. Come on, somebody. How many know there's hungry people? There's hungry people out there. How many know there's people that are hungry for, for an encounter with God? And so Jesus, the, the, the masses are around him. Jesus is not afraid of a big crowd. A lot of people think, well, the, you know, it's all about going back to the home meetings and God's not in the mega church scene. And no, Jesus was okay with thousands of people around him when he taught and preached. And sometimes we have to think differently because we've seen a model of church that is the CEO corporation model thinking that it, it's just based on numbers. It's not based on numbers. It's based on a spirit. And you can have a mega church with the spirit of God and the spirit of family and the spirit of the kingdom where it doesn't feel like you're going in and punching in your time clock and you have no connection with other brothers and sisters. I know I'm already preaching to you better than you're responding, but that's okay because I love you anyway. So it says he looked at him. He says, no, you give him something to eat. I mean, can you just imagine the disciples like, Lord, you know, these people, they're starving. Let's send them away, right? We got this. And the Lord looks at him and says, no, you give them something to eat. You have a responsibility. You're my disciples. I'm showing you how to do this stuff. You just saw me have compassion on them. You just saw me heal the sick. Now they're hungry. Now feed them. Jesus, the master, is revealing his heart, and he's saying, he's saying, no, you feed him. Disciple, you're a disciple. How many are a disciple, a follower of Jesus? We're always following him. We're being conformed to his image. And he says, you give them something to eat. Verse 17, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Jesus said, bring them here to me. In other words, just, just give me what you have, and I'll take care of it. I'll multiply it. Give me the resources you have. We're always praying, like, God, if I just had this or this, and God's like, if you just gave me what you had, you would multiply what you have and do great things. And Jesus says, just bring me what you have. Now, that's not what I'm preaching on today, so let me keep reading here. Verse 19, and he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. I love the way Jesus prayed. He looked up to heaven. We religious, you know, folk today, it's like, oh, bow your heads and close your eyes because we're afraid to look at God. Jesus, let me show you how to pray. He looked to heaven and he gave thanks. He wasn't afraid to look at his papa. Come on. Everything he did, Jesus revealed the heart of the father. And, and so it goes on. He's, he's thanking God. He's thanking his father. He broke the loaves. He gave thanks. And then he gave them to his disciples. 
And his disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. Say satisfied. Satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 baskets full of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. Amen. Isn't that powerful? Now, I want to talk to you about what we're eating. What are we consuming? You know, everybody's hungry. And, and we're either eating stuff that's good for us or we're not. How many are on a diet right now? Praise God. I'm ra- you notice I raised my hand? I'm on a diet right now. I know it doesn't look, well, maybe it doesn't look like it a little bit. Come on, man. Help me out here, guys. I'm trying to eat right. I'm on the, the all-gluten and all-carb diet. Have you heard of that one? It's a good one. I mean, keep, honestly, though, I, I, I tried to switch up my, my diet, uh, what, around Christmas? And for some reason, right when I started eating right, these donuts just started appearing in our house. That's always the case, right? You try to eat right, and your friends are like, yo, we're going to this pizza place, and it's the best pizza in town. You're like, screw you. Like, you just, why? It's persecution. It's like, so I, I started eating right, and friends and family, it was like all of a sudden, everybody wanted to get friendly's donuts. I'm like, why do y'all get to get Friendly's Donuts in the last three months? It's been a year since we had Friendly's Donuts. Now I start. Have you guys ever had Friendly's Donuts? If you, oh, so you've never had a donut then. That's so cute. You need to check out Friendly's Donuts. It's in Henderson off Boulder Highway. The bomb. And if you go there at like nine, they make it fresh. You can't even put the chocolate bars on top of each other. They'll just melt into one. The two shall become one. Just... Then you get two donuts for the price of one. Come on, somebody. The guy's like, did I put 12 donuts in here? They just melted in. Praise God. But I, how many of you know it's important what we consume and what we eat? I mean, it really is, you know. I mean, you have some people, it's like, what would you have for breakfast? Wheatgrass. It's like, you need the bagel anointing, bro. <laughs> you need to eat. Come on, somebody. I mean, every once in a while, you just got to enjoy a cheeseburger, right? Or something. Well, I'm vegan. Well, eat a cheeseburger anyways. God bless you. <laughs> Just make sure it's grass-fed, no GMOs. No GMOs in that bad boy, right? But I was thinking about the word, and I, I'm like thinking about diets, and yeah, I was, I, I just, can I just make you laugh a little bit and just, just jest a little for us, joke around? What if our clothes could talk? Can you imagine that? I was thinking about this. I'm like, when I put my pants on, every once in a while, they'd be like, yeah, you're stretching me. You, you put those pants on. Ow! What was that? You, Rochelle, I'm like, honey, my, my, my clothes are shrinking. Will you just stop putting them in the dryer? She's like, honey, they're not shrinking. It's your diet. How many know Christians like to eat? Come on, somebody. I heard this one time, man. I, if my clothes could talk, I might hear this. My swimsuit's like, hey, bro, you need to go to the gym, right? But my jammy pants are like, man, you look good, bro. That's, where, that's why when you come over, I'm wearing pajamas. I'm like, I look good. Come on, somebody. So you got you to gotta feast every once in a while. But, I mean, honestly, we got to eat healthy. And I, I think the same thing goes with our spiritual diets, and listen, I'm not, I'm not going to give you what you might think I'm going to give you right now, is which, which is some, well, watch what you consume. No more television, you know. 
or some sin management concept of watch what you consume. But, but I want to give you the opposite of, I think that if we, if we weren't so cautious about what we're eating, but just feast on the right thing, we'd be hungry for the right thing. And then we would do the right thing. And I, I just want to encourage you this morning that the world is hungry for something. People, you're hungry for something. There's, and really, the, the, it begins with only one thing that will satisfy you. And the world is hungry for something. Come on, somebody. How many know that the world is hungry? You know what they're hungry for? Wheatgrass. No, I'm just kidding. A kale salad. Come on, somebody. Or some baked mac and cheese. Oh, can you tell I haven't ate this morning? I was going to bring it home just then, but then I thought of food. Woo. And I just saw this glorious revelation of mac and cheese coming out of heaven. And the... And the I can see it in the spirit right now. Woo, glory. Do you guys feel wind on that right there? Man, the crust is just, you know, when you make the baked mac and cheese, you got to broil it just for a minute. Anyone in the house make baked mac and cheese real good? Come on. You got to just crust it on the top and mm, can't be too dry. It's got to still have that. I seriously, I love, listen, that's carnal. No, man, God made good food before the fall. God made, you think your taste buds just popped in your, popped in Adam's mouth after he ate of the wrong tree? Hello? You think the tree of life tastes like garbage? That thing was probably good. Come on, somebody. Oh, this is so sweet. It tastes like candy. I ate a fruit in the Philippines one time. I swear it was sour candy. Some strange looking fruit. Maybe it was from another world or something. But man, we, we've got to understand the world is hungry for something. And I want to, can I just say what they're hungry for? And, and if we're consuming the wrong thing, we're going to feed them the wrong thing. You know what they're hungry for? They're hungry for the love of God. They're not hungry for another sin management sermon. They're not hungry for you to tell them what is wrong with them. They're not hungry for you to tell them that they're unworthy or God's ticked at them or anything that makes them feel condemned, ashamed, or not valuable. They're hungry for the love of God. They're hungry to know that they have value. They're hungry to know the truth that Jesus came to reveal about who God really is, that he's a God who says, I value you in such a way that I count every hair on your head. How many to know for some of it's a lot and some is not? But God values us. And Jesus gave the disciples a responsibility. And he says, you feed them. They're hungry, you feed them. You know, it's interesting. Like, it's, it's almost like we think, well, God, you know, and now it's not our job to change people. How many know that we got to love people in their mess? You know, I was thinking about this yesterday. You, you know, you hear people, where's the Billy Grahams of today? He had the message. And where's this person and that person? You know why we're not hearing any messages? Because we're not loving people in their mess. You can't have a message without a mess. Come on. You know, people, the reason they have a message is because they've lived through dark places and valleys. And we're trying to, you know, cherry pick our evangelism. And we're not loving the, the most broken people. What about the Zacchaeuses that take advantage of people? Can you imagine if your CEO, See, uh, your, your, uh, your accountant said to you, like, you're, yeah, I know you're supposed to get 5000 <clears throat> Oh, sweet Jesus, I need some water, ushers. I know you're supposed to get $5,000 back, but you owe 5000 How many know that CEO would be like, hey, you're out of line? 
But Jesus looked at Zacchaeus and said, I'm coming to your house today. Come on, you heard it when my wife preached last week. What about the woman caught in adultery in John chapter 8 where the law said she should be stoned? And he writes in the sand and the Pharisees think it through and they say, wait a minute, we've got sin too. There's no reason for me to throw this stone if I've got sin in my life. And they begin to walk away one by one. Then Jesus looks at her, thank you, baby, and he says, where are your condemners? What if we walked up to people after an act of depraved sin and said, where are your condemners? Why are we holding trespasses against people when God isn't, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5? If he didn't hold people's sins against them, why do we hold sins against And I'm not just talking about sins people commit against us, but I'm talking about sins committed against God. What, what are you saying, Zach? Are you saying we should just affirm sin? No, we should love and accept people, tell them they're valuable, tell them who they really are, and they will be transformed by the love of God because that's the only thing that will satisfy. I'll drink to that. Come on. If you're drinking this morning, take a drink. I just saw a flask. No, I'm just playing. No, I'm just playing. Talking about diets. Speaking of diets, guys, I don't recommend you eat nachos with a lot of jalapenos the night before you're going to preach. Pray for me. That's pretty transparent, huh? I want to read a few scriptures to you about the love and the acceptance of God. And I want to just tell you something that, how many, it's not our job to fix people. Like, it, we can't fix people. I've tried. It's exhausting. I can't even fix myself. <laughs> you just got to let God love you and all of your stuff. Come on. And all of your mess. But we're so afraid of a mess. We're so afraid of love people in their mess. But God's like, that's what, I, that's, that's what I did. That's what I came here for. I mean, Jesus, we're following him. He loved messy people. He loved them, and he gave them what they needed, which was the love and the acceptance of the Father. And it, it transforms people. It transforms us. First uh, Timothy 1, verse 15. Are you all enjoying this so far? I'm just going to read a few verses, and then I'm going to let you go. After all that food talk, I can imagine some of you all are ready to eat, huh? <laughs> Hungry for some wheatgrass, praise God. Some nachos. First Timothy. Don't get me talking about Thai food, man. I'll go off. Or Italian food or Chinese food. Oh, glory. Woo. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Are you ready? Are you ready to fully accept this trustworthy saying? Christ Jesus came to the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. The humility of the apostle saying, I know I don't have it all together. That's why I keep loving people that don't have it all together. We're not perfect. Now, I'm not perfect. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to offend you someday. Just please forgive me. I'm going to pre-forgive you because you're going to offend me too. <laughs> but how many know, like, we're not perfect. And, and, and as a church, sometimes we start, you know, getting free of stuff and and we posture ourselves in the wrong place. Like, well, the crowds are hungry. Send them away. Jesus is like, no, feed them. They're hungry for the love of God. 
You know, one of the things that grieves me more than anything else is when people get beat up on a Sunday morning. They get beat up and the scripture's taken out of context and, and people are preaching the old covenant fire and brimstone. And, and I could just hear the words of Jesus to the sons of thunder saying, no, 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 you don't know what spirit you are of. God has not called us to bring destruction. He's called us to bring healing. He is the great physician. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ, what did he came? What did he come to do? Save sinners. Come on, raise your hand if you're a sinner. Now I know that you're a saint. Now you're a believer. But how I many know we're not perfect? And the humility of the apostle kept his heart reliant and open and fully dependent on the love of God and on the mercy of God and on the grace of God. Romans chapter 15, verse 7. I love this. Accept one another then just as Christ accepted you. Isn't that beautiful? Come on, receive one another. Love one another. This is one of the things we say at our church. If you're new to this church, love people for who they are and they will become who they're created to be. Listen, spouses, love your spouse for who they are. They will become who they're created to be. Like my wife was saying last week, don't fight with your spouse. Fight for your spouse. Fight the love fight. Love endures forever. I love this verse. Accept one another. Just as Christ accepted us in all of our nastiness in order to bring praise to God. It brings praise. It brings glory to God. Colossians chapter 1. This is powerful. 21 and 22. Y'all enjoying this this morning? Because if you're not, you can go home and watch it on Facebook. All right, God bless you. The door is right there. No, I'm just playing. Please stay. Please stay. Ushers, if anyone needs a cup of coffee, just raise your hand right now. We'll get it right to you. Vanilla latte. Vanilla latte. So, vanilla latte in the corner. Anyone else? I'm so distracted this morning. I don't know what's happening to me. Colossians chapter 1, verse 21, 22. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Now check this out. God never looked at you and said, I'm your enemy. Catch this. Because of our sin and because of the disease and the decay of sin and death reigning in the cosmos, we thought God was our enemy. We were enemies of God in our minds. You're not, God didn't set himself against you. If he set himself against you, you think Jesus would have came? I know it's simple, but it's really profound. Well, I'm only worthy because of the blood. I'm so evil and depraved. If you, were only, if you only had value, let me put it this way, you weren't worthy by merit. We don't deserve it, right? The free gift of salvation. But if you didn't have value before the blood, the blood would have never been shed for you. Well, I don't have value. I only have value when, when God looks at me through the blood. If I didn't have Jesus in my heart, he'd look at me. And I, man, I, Jesus is like one, one of the reformers said, Jesus is like our asbestos suit against the fiery wrath of God. Actually, no, that's a modern day theologian. A, a, an old reformer said, no, you know, we're just like snow covered dung in the eyes of the Lord because of the blood of Jesus. Now, God doesn't look at you and say, you're crap. He looks at you and says, you're my kids. 
and I, I know you might have thought you, you were enemies of God, and somehow God was ticked at you because that's how you thought the Father looked like, what the Father looked like. But no, Paul's saying, no, you were alienated from God and your enemies because of your behavior, because of sin. You postured yourself. How many know God didn't set himself against us? He chased us down with implacable, undaunting, fiery, unwavering love like the father waiting for his son to come home. But he doesn't just stand there. He runs to meet the son. Old men didn't run in the first century. It was disrespectful. He saw the son in the horizon. He was waiting for the son to come home. And the father, how many know he had open arms and he ran down to kiss the son, to greet the son, to embrace the son. That is the picture Jesus gives us of God. And the son did some despicable things. The son basically, when he asked for his inheritance in Luke chapter 15, it'd be like saying, you know, dad, I wish you'd just die now and give me what belongs to me. I consider you dead. Give me my inheritance. I'm peacing out. And how many know the father didn't hold any of that against him, but loved him even before the son had time to repent and pray any prayer. You think, well, my, my, it was the sinner's prayer that, that allowed me to be forgiven. No, no, no. You were accepted and forgiven. That's why you prayed the sinner's prayer. Hello? Yes, the gospel's about you asking Jesus in your heart. But before that, it's about Jesus already accepted you into his heart. Come on, somebody. I know it's a new paradigm. You're like, whoa, what in the world is he saying? You were forgiven 2,000 years ago. God doesn't choose to forgive you because you do something right. Well, let me just think really hard about repentance. And I repent, you know, of our evil things. Hello, you know what I'm saying? Repentance is totally reorienting our lives. But the reason we do is because of his love. We reorient our lives because of his love. We love him because he first loved us. I just need to love God. Yes, but first let him love you. Because you can't do it without his love. You can't be without his love. And we're doing, 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 doing. Just be. Just let him love you. Let him accept you. Let him feed you with his amazing love, and it will transform your life. So you're not an enemy of God, and you never were. You were in your mind. You thought that God set himself against you. I'm just reading the Bible here. Come on, somebody. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you wholly in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Where are your condemners? Where are your condemners? Do you know how accepted you are by God right now? This is one of my favorite things to talk about, and I could, I could be really long-winded right now, but I won't. But I just want people to know that God is smiling at them. I want people to know, I want every person to know that God is smiling at them. He's not looking at them saying, would they just get together for God's sakes, for my sakes, you know, if God's talking. (laughs) He's not looking at them with contempt, but he's saying, I love them. And yeah, there is wrath. It's, it's God's emphatic no against what hurts you, sin. But it's the same wrath that would come from the voice of, uh, and deep within my heart, if my little girl was running in the street and a car was coming, no, don't run in the street. 
That's my passion. That's my wrath. But I'm not mad at her. The passion and fiery love of God. He's not mad at you. He's smiling at you. And he's consumed with jealous love for you. And when you allow yourself to consume and you go on that diet, you'll never be the same. And then you look at people differently. And then you see the multitudes that are hungry. And you'll say this. You'll say, oh, I know what to feed them. Oh, I don't have anything. Oh, I do. I have something. You know, it's interesting. Two fish, five loaves. Two is the number of witness. Where do fish come from? The ocean, the water. Give them something in the unseen realm, something tangible that will give them sustenance. Give them something in the spirit realm and also give them grace. Five, the number of grace. Some gluten. Yeah. Can we just give a shout out for gluten right now? I'm just messing. I don't, when I eat a lot of gluten, I feel bloated. I don't like it. But how many know God wants us to give people something tangible from the spirit, from the unseen realm, the waters, the waters representation of the spirit, but also something of grace, something real, something here and now, like some bread. Give me some bread. I know you're praying for me, but I'm hungry. But people are hungry for the love of God. Let me close with this beautiful scripture in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. Are you all enjoying this? Are you all hungry? Me too. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. How blessed is God and what a blessing he is. He is the father of our master, Jesus Christ. And he takes us into the high places of blessing in him. Long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind. Would you just close your eyes right now as I'm reading this to you? And I want to ask you to just open your hearts to his love. And I want you to know that you are totally accepted by him with all of your stuff. We all are. It says, long before he laid the earth's foundations, he had us in mind. He settled you as the focus of his love. I want the daughters and the sons, just hear the father saying, you're the focus of my love. My little girls know what it's like to be the focus of their daddy's love. I tell them all, you're my favorite. Don't tell the rest. God's whispering in your ear right now. You're my favorite. You're significant. You don't have to do anything. You have value. You are absolutely loved with the love of God. To be made whole and holy by his love. See, you know what makes us holy? Not not what we try, his love. Oh, did you catch that? To, To be made whole, to be healed, to be saved, to be delivered. Whole, sozo, like healing, salvation, deliverance. And also holy. You're not holy because you try to keep the Ten Commandments. You're holy when you let God love you. And it transforms you. You want to yield to the grace that's flowing from his heart right now. And the grace of God is not just unmerited favor. It is his nature, his power, 
his love flowing from heaven to you, his supernatural ability to be free and to walk in your identity in Christ Jesus. So powerful. I'm gonna read that one more time. To be made whole and holy by his love. Verse five, long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavished gift giving by the hand of his beloved son. God wants to lavish you with his love. You know, when I plan an anniversary dinner or something with my wife or, or I plan something with my kids or we plan a time together. I, like my wife and I will just think about what, what are the kids? Let's do something for them. You know, let's go, let's go down to Arizona for a couple nights and, and we just want to lavish them with our love. And my wife, like pray for her. sometimes, you know, Christmas time, she lavishes the kids with her love and it costs us some money, Jesus. <laughs> It's like, I'm only going to get him three gifts. But each one of those three gifts is like five gifts inside the three gifts. So really that means 15. That's lavishing. That's the love of a mom's heart though. And I mean, just imagine the father, how he just wants, it says here, I love the way Eugene Peterson translates this in verse five. What pleasure he took in planning this. Like he's like, I can't wait to just lavish them with my love. Would you just receive his love right now, right where you're at? Would you just receive his acceptance yeah, lift your hands and just say, Lord, thank you for your love. Thank you that you call me a child. I'm not just a servant. I'm a friend. I'm, I'm not just, you know, like a sinner saved by grace. I'm a saint being transformed by grace. I'm, I'm letting you love me. And it just changes. It pulls me into my identity as a son, as a daughter. And, and I'm telling you right now, as your hands are lifted and your heart is open, hear the Father just saying, I love you, and I'm pleased with you. I could walk around the room and just, I could walk around the room and just lay hands on every person, and I just just release the significance of the Father. Yesterday, Sister Tony was preaching at a women's conference. Oh, man, she was bringing fire, and she was bringing passion, and she was bringing life. But in the midst of it all, in the beauty of the entire message and the illustrations and analogies, I mean, it was just, it was phenomenal. She brought clear theology that was shattering religious lies. It was beautiful, sis. It was beautiful. Where's Tony at? Are you here, sis? So powerful. You're so stinking anointed. I can't even, I can't even look at you right now. I got to look away. The glory from your face. You are so awesome. is so, I'm telling you, you actually impress him because he loves you that much. He looks at you like, man, I just, you're so awesome. This is what my spiritual father tells me, Larry Titus. He always says, you're so awesome, you can't even handle it. You're made in the image of God. You have value, you have purpose. You have value, you have purpose. And you're loved and you're accepted. Go on that diet for a little while. And then it becomes easy to love people that are hungry. And then you know what they're really hungry for. They're hungry for the love of God. Amen.